This week, we're going to talk gift search engines, drones, material science, and more. This is Blown Pixel. Welcome to this week's Blown Pixel, where Cody and myself talk about tech, startups, and culture. I'm T-Rave, and... And I'm Cody Beasley. Hello, hello. And we're actually joined by a close friend, Sir Chad Elliott, this week. Chad, why don't you give us a little bit bio of what you do in life? God, life. Uh, That's such a big subject. Um, Mostly programming, which I think is how you guys know me. And then a little bit of dancing, a little bit of extra tech on the side, and, you know, same old spiel. Also, he's a pretty cool guy. I'll vouch for him. Pretty cool guy. Well, welcome as the first guest of Blown Pixel, Mr. Chad. I'm excited. You feel special, Chad? I actually do feel really special. Like, it, it seems like since you've announced the show, a lot of people got really excited about it, and I was like, oh, that's... Cool. I just like watching what they talk about, but now everyone's interested. <laughs> well, we have a bandwagon, and of course, we've loaded it up with you know blankets to make you comfy as you ride along with us into uh, right off the cliff, right, right off the cliff. It's a big cliff. <laughs> All right, so guys, what is going on in our respective neck in the woods? T Rave, what's going on in Omaha? So this week in Omaha, Nebraska, uh, I mentioned this in last week's episode pretty poorly, uh, Cornstalks. Uh, It is an entrepreneur slash startup uh, event that highlights different startups and and groups around the Omaha, Nebraska area. Uh, They are now on tour and this week was uh, their first uh, first startup that they visited, which happened to be Flywheel, uh, my employer. Uh, so it was really awesome to see people of the startup entrepreneur space in Omaha, Nebraska, as someone newer to the area. Uh, you know, seeing, meeting, uh, hearing, you know, what people have to say about you know the startups and and everything uh, was very cool. And they're actually like booked out for like the next six months or so of like places there they're going to stop by. Uh, so that's exciting for me to, you know, kind of understand and, and, and explore the scene, uh, you know, as, as I know the Kansas City scene quite well, uh, get to now learn it through corn stocks up here in Omaha. Okay, so, you know, Kansas City, um, I just got back from the uh, grand opening, at least the, um, you know, the public uh, opening of the new Think Big incubator, actually. So that's that's quite a nice space uh, right off of Main Street, um, and uh, they've they've been a local co-working space and an incubator here for the last few years, and they've just recently moved into a new building uh, in anticipation of both the streetcar and it's just really sexy digs, uh, so a lot more um, you know units to take advantage of, better facilities, it looks wonderful, um, and and they're doing a good job. So yeah, 
Very, right. very cool. Yeah, they, they've, uh, I don't know, probably eight months ago, maybe less, about eight, ten months ago, I heard that they're opening the new building. Uh, glad it's finally opened, and that's that's really cool for uh, the Kansas City scene. Totally, totally. And this uh, coming week, this next Thursday, uh, first week of February, um, Functional, one of the little groups that I run, uh, where we explore kind of uh, craftsmanship and culture in, in Kansas City, um, we are having a little get-together at Thou Mayest um, from 6.30 to 9.30. Um, and, and I've sent some, uh, emails and invitations out, uh, that we'll, we'll throw up here on, on the Bloom Pixel, um, Facebook page. You, you didn't get one, Chad? Well, I don't think I got one yet. Well, well obviously you didn't sign up for our newsletter. Oh, shit. I think you're right. <laughs> I follow the Facebook page. Isn't that enough? Well, it's on there now, so I, clearly you just haven't been, like, refreshing the page, waiting for things to happen, like I've expected. I love hanging out at Dalmaeus anyway, so, you know, maybe maybe you can invite me and then uninvite me and then I'll crash the party. <laughs> you know, you are not the first person to ask that, which is weird. Actually, Andrew talked about that, one of our friends, Andrew. He's like, can you just not invite me so that I can crash it? Apparently there's way more novelty in crashing parties than actually, like, being invited to them. Well, that's all I have. Uh, do you have anything else, guys? Nothing notable. I mean, the problem is we live in the same city, so pretty much anything, it's your show. So you get the, you get to go first, and anything you mention is already, you've already covered all, all the cool stuff, so. Well, that's how it works. You can start your own podcast if you don't like it. Fair enough. <laughs> and I'll probably upgrade the video equipment since this is looking pretty awful, but. That's okay. That's okay. You'll get a better camera. It'll be good. <laughs> Okay, so right into the news, guys. The first thing uh, on on my list of things to talk about is Giphy, a two-year-old search engine for GIFs, has just raised seventeen million dollars and has an eighteen uh, an eighty sorry million va- uh, dollar valuation. So we I've used Giphy. I've used it for a long time. I know Chad loves it as well. Um, T Rave, have you used Giphy before? Yeah, yeah. Before uh, our team switched over to Slack uh, to drop stuff into HipChat, we'd do a, a quick Giphy search. Uh, been using the extension in Chrome for that. I did not know there was an extension. Does it just like yeah, find it, dro- it drops down and you can search real quick and then you can drag and drop. Or, Dude, or that is amazing. Link. That yeah. is amazing. So it's like every GIF need you'd ever have, which is pretty much everything. Because uh, I know that I, I just speak in GIFs now. I, I don't even use human words anymore. Um, but yeah, Giphy is amazing, and they have a great mobile experience as well. Um, why do you why do you think it has an $80 million valuation, guys? I it, it That blows my mind. As someone that's like, I just, I didn't realize how easy it was to upload to Giphy. Like, you don't even need a, a login. Uh, and I think maybe that's part of it, is just the anonymous, like content creation i guess uh even though like some of the stuff's gonna probably or it will be copywritten material in a sense like how does it come down in a moving photo form i guess you can say um but like content wise like a lot of people are using giphy because they have that repository of gifs so yeah maybe, i mean maybe that's it, it. Like, out, maybe right? because of the eyeballs so here's the funny thing. It's interesting that you mentioned that you can sort of upload any GIF because for what, like maybe a year there, you couldn't even upload a GIF. It was all curated content. They wouldn't even allow 
uh, a consumer to sort of go in and add their own content. So it's interesting that they open that up to the public. But I think the real value is like, if you look at services out there right now, Instagram is like the huge one that's gaining in popularity, at least uh, amongst the younger crowd. It's all visually based. It's all it's all content creation and sort of an aesthetic visual appeal that people latch onto. And gifts have now sort of become like, you know, Cody's a really great example. It's like his second language uh, for communicating. So if you can harness that potential in a single source, like that has an amazing capability to be sort of like the YouTube of GIFs, right? Like YouTube became the central location for videos. Jiffy is now where you go for GIFs. I mean, how, how could it be easier than that? All right. So moving on, because I feel like I could talk about GIFs literally all day. We, um, we really could. We really could. Um, it's I'll, really, really close to my heart. Yeah, I'll jump into one of the stories that I find uh, very intriguing, and that is uh, DJI, which is uh, a drone or an un unmanned aerial vehicle uh, that is commercially available, uh, has implemented no-fly zones. So uh, this is a, a drone that you can buy, a quadcopter. They've made uh, no-fly zones, and they're going to actually prevent you from flying into these no-fly zones via GPS. And this actually comes after uh, someone was like doing aerial shots uh, across uh, Washington, D.C., uh, over uh, some of the monuments and stuff. And finally, it ended up crashing past the security guards, uh, Secret Service, at the White House. Yep. Yep, I saw a. I saw the tool on DJI, and and people may who have seen any kind of drones have probably seen this guy. It's the, it's almost Apple esque in its in its kind of, uh, you know, I guess it's, it's uh, sleek and sexy and yeah, and, it's very iconic. I guess uh, for for drones, it's white and, and it's got little red bands. Anyway, so the tool is very cool because it essentially shows you even a map. So I, I brought it up; it immediately drilled down to Kansas City. And I saw right at the airport, there was a big no-fly zone. I think they've just automatically any airport done Well, this. no. That's the funny thing. I have the map up in front of me. And so in Omaha, we have Epley Field, which is our airport. They have not marked that as a no-fly zone yet. But uh. MCI, MCI in Kansas City has. I, I, I did the comparison. Uh, if we want to buy a DJI and fly it over an airfield, we have limited time. Get moving. Yeah, so if you want stock, this may be like your only chance ever, at least yeah. aerial stock. So, and, and it brings up a good thing because I'm also part of a AV private uh, Facebook group, and we—that's how I originally found out about this. Uh, you know, it's interesting because. Uh, also, sports venues, active sports venues uh, should be considered as well, and they'll probably you know really drill down. Um, but this is the first like action that anyone has taken for commercially purchased unmanned vehicles, uh, aerial vehicles, uh, for shutting them down. And so uh, I personally believe, I, I, I am in agreement with this, uh, as someone, we, we have dr little quadcopters in our office, and I'm terrible at flying them, um, but with like the DJI, it actually has a camera, so you're like, okay, let me get this cool footage. But like, the, most people are not, like trained in any way and it's well, like grabbing and you might not even know right so yeah. you might be close to a power plant or something um and and not even know so this is one of the major pieces of drone regulation is is being able to keep it out of 
essentially restricted areas. So uh, you've you've seen there's been a huge problem with national parks. Um, like Yosemite uh, has characteristically been like one of the big outspoken parties in saying, do not dr- uh, fly your drones in the park, but there's no real laws against it. And I think DJI is very smart to get ahead of this and start to craft um, examples that legislation can follow. They have a little more control over it. They certainly have the front of the market on this. I mean, it is a household name in these kind of hobbyist circles. So, uh, it, yeah, I love that. I mean, it is a very good first step and and seeing a complicated regulation process kind of refine itself. Well, yeah. and I think I think even if you do develop policies, there's going to be people, I mean, who doesn't want to get an awesome shot of a national park? Who doesn't want to, like, get some crazy close-up of, a, of an airplane? You know, the problem is it's like, what, where are those boundaries at? And you're going to have people, as these become more commonplace, uh, start to stretch those boundaries and see how far they can push it. So, yeah, we're going to put regulations in place. I don't think that's really going to stop people. The idea of having sort of a geofencing via GPS on the drone itself is, is definitely a, a huge step in the right direction to uh, sort of safeguard this for the rest of us because, you know, if people start uh, doing illegal things with this, if, if accidents start happening because they fly into a plane, whatever, um, that's going to that's gonna put a lot of uh, regulation on it where, you know, you or me may not be able to buy one unless we're like, uh, registered pilots. All right, guys. So drones. Um, next thing on my list is uh, Nickelodeon has decided to launch a standalone online streaming service um, for their content, um, which I I love a lot of um, Nickelodeon shows, mainly The Legend of Korra most recently, um, and and they've gotten a lot of shows. But as someone who doesn't buy. Uh, cable services to watch it i've kind of been left out and i've had to watch them online for for a while now so i love seeing them roll out a service like this what do you guys think yeah well you know you roll back or, or well let's let's talk about common day but it's been talked about for the last few years is cable services cable subscriptions suck you're paying for hundreds of extra channels uh you're never gonna watch them but then the ones you do want then you're getting paid you know you have to pay out out the butt for them or whatever and uh you know hbo was one of the first to really take on original content uh showtime stars as well getting in amc with walking dead and you know other series and uh you know it you know it used to i think the conversation used to be well i wish i could just cherry pick the channels that I could have and pay like five bucks a month per one. But where it's actually like leading is where you're not like, that's not the battle. It's the battle of getting your network, your, 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 your programming into original content that allows you to do whatever you want with it. And, you know, HBO is still kind of locked down to, you have to have a cable subscription um, to, to sign up for HBO go. Um, however, they're kind of like, Hey, if you have someone's password, go for it. We don't care. Like they've actually yeah. kind of taken that stance. And so this kind of stuff is awesome because it's now bringing it the capability. If I have to pay five bucks a month to access it via like an app or, or a website or whatever, it, it's becoming closer where I can ditch all that other, other junk in a, a cable subscription package that, you know, I really, really don't want. Um, Reading Rainbow kind of did the, the, a revamp uh, uh, a year or two ago uh, with just the content for Le, LeVar Burton. And so 
that that's cool as well getting like even show level original content yeah i mean i i think we're used to at this point buying our content a la carte and and so there's a clear legacy model that a lot of these cable companies still use for content that you know i've certainly found awful uh, it's just not in my purchasing habits and the statistics show that you know a, a significant minority closer to majority now um, of millennials ages 18 to 34 uh, have never paid um, for a cable service at all now uh, you know there's they're still getting content whether they're pirating it or they're using competitive services like netflix hulu amazon um and and so these other you know cable companies are realizing that they're they're going to miss the boat or they've never even had a chance to be in front of a huge portion of the up-and-coming generation simply because they're not playing by the same rules that everyone is now used to in in that generation it's it's funny because i feel like um i feel like video content is getting to the point where like napster was with music you know several like almost a decade ago where, where basically you have this old school model where in in terms of uh in terms of audio like they were selling cds it was a very physical medium even though video has always sort of been a digital medium it's been a stream you're like you're essentially paying for a stream of things that you don't potentially use right and in my mind that's similar to the concept of buying an album or buying a cd or buying a record when you only care about like two or three songs on there right so you know it it, it i wonder if it sort of harkens to this this model of where we started paying for individual songs you know you started paying for i mean there is potential for a subscription in terms of like spotify where you pay for this access to the content but you don't actually have any ownership of it and um i i, I don't know i i think it presents an, an interesting view of how we consume video content that maybe is a little different or a little more skewed than what we're accustomed to because now we're no longer tied to this sort of streaming medium that, you know, if I don't sit down in front of the TV at five o'clock tonight, I'm gonna miss my favorite program. Well, now that thing is digitally available at any point, at any time, uh, in from now to the future, as long as I'm willing to pay for it. So the next thing on my list is uh, that was your actually, list. No, it's, it's your it's turn. Now my it's your list. turn. Sorry, <laughs> uh, we talked too long. <laughs> Slack buys Screen Hero to add screen sharing and voice chat to its work messaging platform. Uh, that was announced by TechCrunch. Uh, basically, the company Slack, it's it's an inner uh, office chat program slash not really inner office necessarily, um, but uh, it's an enterprise collaboration service, as they call it, that raised $180 million dollars. Uh, it ha- they say they have 365,000 users uh, every day. Uh, it's it's awesome. Um, and, and so they bought Screen Hero, which basically shares your screen and, and has audio capabilities with it. Uh, Slack has announced that they will like basically fade out. Uh, the Screen Hero portion of it, uh, they've acquired, they've brought in the the six people that made up that company. Um, no actual dollar amount said how much they bought them for, but this excites me as as someone that uses Slack every day. Uh, it was kind of hard for me to switch from uh, HipChat uh, that I've been used to for two years or so, uh, but Slack overall for uh, like business, like just chatting with. 
uh, your company slash like kind of as a collaboration tool is 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 stellar uh i mean cody are you you're familiar with slack uh chad do you do you use slack at all uh no what's interesting is uh i i i looked at slack at one point uh but that was outside of a project and you know my the current office that i'm working at uses cisco jabber so anything that actually again you don't even have gif support there so what kind of chat system is that a terrible one. A terrible one. How are you supposed to get any work done without GIFs? Come on. Yeah, I don't understand how to communicate. So, you know, anything that supports GIFs, uh, all for it. No, I have used Slack, and I love it. Um, there's a small piece of Slack that, that reminds me of kind of the 90s chat rooms, where I kind of cut my teeth on the internet, that <laughs> that I kind of like, because it's, it's more modern than that. It, it's got a lot of similarities to Asana and some of those other task management stuff, but Slack has a very clean uh, look. It's quite colorful. It's very approachable, and it's got great integrations like, of course, Giphy. Everything. (laughs) Everything. Okay, so the next thing on the agenda is um, some material science stuff. Have you guys uh, seen this super hydrophobic metal that they've created? They've They've etched it with lasers. And the pattern in the grooves at, I believe, a molecular level repels water almost absolutely. That's just incredible to me that, that they didn't actually put it in another coating. There's not some extra force or, or magnetic you know, uh, alignment of the atoms. Like literally, it's just a texture in the material itself. Well, it, it, it's absolutely amazing. Well, do we pass you, that? Do you want to see You're doing this? it with lasers, and unlike chemical treatments, laser etching uh, can't be rubbed off. So, like, it's it's on there. Yeah, let's take a look at this. A couple of years ago, my lab created a technology that turns a variety of materials super hydrophilic. Super hydrophilic means is actually attract water. We actually turn the surface hydrophilic to such a strong degree that water runs uphill against gravity. That technology can have many applications on its own. After that, uh, we started to work on the counterpart technology, making a surface to repel water, or as we call it, hydrophobic. We have been working on the creating super hydrophobic material, use a laser processing technique. What we'll see here is pretty interesting. The water falls towards the surface and is repelled and bounces off the surface. This is achieved by creating a unique pattern of surface structures at micro and nano scales with our laser processing technology. And those structures are intrinsically part of the material surface. Most of the hydrophobic surfaces. So that's that's awesome, right? That that you, who would have thought that you would be able to create tiny laser etchings uh, at the nano level that would repel water like that? I almost someone. I almost want someone to etch me to repel people I hate. <laughs> okay so that's that's all we have to rave uh okay for well i i, I think we missed something we missed something very important what, what did we miss what do you think we missed? in elon we trust ah oh, we forgot how our elon dare spot. Us. 
Okay, so How do you want to handle this, us. or do you uh, want me to handle So, uh, this is uh, Tesla's first battery swap station uh, in California, is, is nearing complete. And uh, from GigaOM, uh, the ed author of this story, uh, went down to check out uh, this battery swap station, which is out of an old uh, car wash. And basically what Tesla is uh, trying to do here is within a few minutes of you pulling in uh, into an enclosed uh, environment, they will swap out your battery to, to go the further 300 or so odd miles uh, uh, down the road instead of charging. Uh, at these stations as well, you'll have the, the supercharger the, or whatever they're calling. Yeah, the, it's, basically, it's something like 20, 30 minutes to charge that thing, right? Yep, yep. The suit, yeah. The supercharger takes twenty to uh, to thirty minutes to get an additional one hundred and fifty miles out of the battery. It's time for show and tell. Show and tell. All right. You want me? You want me to start? Yes. Do it right now. All right. So this this week we are going through and trying to figure out what we wanted to show and tell, and Cody and myself. Uh, as well as Chad uh, kind of came about like we should probably drink more on the show. Uh, last week I had a, a I had a glass in front of me, uh, but because of my amazing editing, you would have no idea that I was drinking anything. Uh, but again, I'm doing it this week uh, with powers. Hopefully the camera focuses. No, that camera's too smart. But it's a powers uh, 12 uh, 12 year old. Aged Irish whiskey, uh, gold label, triple distilled. It's fantastic. If you are uh, like me and like your Irish whiskeys, uh, definitely try it out. Uh, it, it is a bit different than Jameson, which is my favorite Irish whiskey or or hard liquor, uh, if you will. And uh, this is this is absolutely delightful. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna draw a, a nearly racist conclusion here right now. I am noticing that you are wearing green, you have stark red hair, and you love your Irish whiskey. Now, I'm not I'm I'm not going to explicitly say what I'm thinking, but I don't know. I think there may be some truth here. Uh, yes. <laughs> Man, bloodlines go go deep. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, uh my show and tell here is of course Kansas City Pride. The Rieger itself i feel like this camera is backwards so maybe we can swap that i don't know uh, no it's fine for us oh just perfect, for you perfect still forward so awesome all right so we've got mr rieger uh we have we have a wonderful kind of um uh i guess there's a cocktail bar and then there's a speakeasy directly underneath it called manifesto and the top part of that the actual cocktail piece is called the rieger hotel which has some historical pieces to it but it's a great place. We we at Functional go there, um, you know, pretty frequently. But basically, this used to be a real whiskey back in the day. And um, when Prohibition hit, it, it basically stopped being produced. It, it, it you know, it, it lost itself to history. So the current owner of, um, of uh, you know, the Rieger decided to restart this brand. Uh, and so he's created what's considered the Kansas City whiskey. Um, it, it's not quite, you know, a pure uh, whiskey, and it's not quite um, a bourbon of sorts, though I will say it, it's it's fairly sweet and very smooth. Um, and this is kind of the the new style, at least, um, and it's ap absolutely wonderful. Uh, I know Kansas City folks have been raving on this stuff. 
and uh, I absolutely love it. It's great to mix. Uh, it's it's great to take straight, very smooth. Um, so for my show and tell, the Rieger whiskey, you can get it all around Kansas City. Uh, you know, Cellar Rat and Gomers and that sort of thing. It's about I don't know, thirty-five dollars a bottle or so, but it is perfectly worth it. Chad, are you drinking anything over there? Uh, so <laughs> I might be drinking something. I, di- I didn't exactly come prepared for that. I'm... We 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 threw it out last minute. Uh, but to be fair, you delayed our show, so I don't <laughs> care. Uh, but no, actually, uh, it's on my door. Um, it looks pretty sexy, which obviously you can't tell with my shitty equipment. <laughs> this little guy here. Um, it's kind of round. It's, it's actually sticks out uh, a fair amount. Uh, I would say it's about two inches out from the door, um, which kind of looks notable, but it's got a pretty sleek design. And uh, one of the reasons I picked this, so there's a lot of smart locks out there, and there are some of them that I, I feel like may have more features, but one of the reasons I picked it is because I am a tenant of an apartment complex that would probably uh, frown on me switching out my locks. Uh, their keys would no longer work. Their maintenance staff could no longer come in. Uh, one of the benefits of the August Smart Lock is that you can actually retrofit it to existing hardware. Um, so it was really as simple as taking off the back plate. I, I can show you the front. So the front is just a standard keyhole. Uh, I haven't actually changed any of the hardware on the front, but the back is now a mounting plate. It is very neat. It's very neat. Have I think guys? that's it. That That's totally it. Uh, if you're watching the show, uh, definitely make sure you like us on Facebook, uh, Blown Pixel, as well as our YouTube channel, Google+, Twitter. Those all social channels actually exist, unlike our website. But I don't know. That is to be, no, that's not you. I'm just saying that out loud because it's us and... Anyway, uh, <laughs> someday, someday we'll have a website. I, I promise. Someday. So anyway, yeah, that's it for episode three of Blown Pixel. Thanks for watching. Please hang up and try again.